Dear Lord, thank you for the gift of your word that just allows us a way to, to get to know you and to learn and to grow. God, as we um, learn about the gifts that you give today, we thank you for the gift that Wade is to our church family. Um, thank you for the gifts that he has. Thank you for just the prophetic perspective that he has on the church, the world, on missions, so many things. God, we pray that you would be with him this morning, that you would give him the wisdom to know exactly the words to say and the words not to say. We pray that we would all have open ears and hearts to hear, um, that you would do the work that you have in this place today, and that you would send us out um, strengthened from it. In Christ's name, amen. Okay, so a reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now, dear brothers and sisters, regarding your question about the special abilities the Spirit gives us, I don't want you to misunderstand this. You know that when you were still pagans, you were led astray and swept along in worshiping speechless idols. So I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God will curse Jesus, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another. And to someone else, the one Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles, and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. The human body has many parts but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I am not a part of the body because I am not a hand, that does not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, I am not a part of the body because I am not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if the whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would it be if it had only one part? Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen, while the more honorable parts do not require this special care. So God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members, 
so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. Here are some of the parts God has appointed for the church. First are apostles, second are prophets, third are teachers, then those who do miracles, those who have the gift of healing, those who can help others, those who have the gift of leadership, those who speak in unknown languages. Are we all apostles? Are we all prophets? Are we all teachers? Do we all have the power to do miracles? Do we all have the gift of healing? Do we all have the ability to speak in unknown languages? Do we all have the ability to interpret unknown languages? Of course not. So you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. But now, let me show you a way of life that is best of all. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Jessica. All right. Woo! Okay. Hi, friends. Once again, welcome to Vancouver Eastside Vineyard. Uh, as you've been told many times, my name is Wade. For those of you who are guests visiting us, uh, I am uh, part of the leadership team. Of course, I'm married to the incredibly beautiful assistant pastor, Joanna. And uh, I am, uh, I am uh, part of our teaching team. There are six of us or so um, that help our head pastor, Gordy, uh, in uh, preaching every week. Um, mostly, well, throughout the entire year, but also in the summer, we kind of take um, some of the preaching duties. Uh, so I think it's, it's pretty funny when, of course, we've been going through our sermon series through all of 1 Corinthians that I drew the straw for 1 Corinthians 12. Um, and the only reason why I say that, and those of us, as, as Peter mentioned a couple of weeks ago and as Dean was preaching a little while ago, those of us who aren't Gordy, whenever we've started giving our sermons, we go, so you want me to preach an entire chapter of 1 Corinthians in 30 to 40 minutes? And all of us, except for Gordy, who will listen to this via podcast later. Thanks, Gordy. We love you. Um, a number of has mentioned just how kind of crazy that is. Like, I asked Jessica to read that text because it takes five minutes just simply to read that, right? Entire, entire, uh, entire de- denominations have been formed and split over this text, <laughs> You know, like there's a lot of stuff in here. And if you're like me and you grew up in the church, or if you didn't, that's totally fine. You've heard this passage over and over and over and over again in many different contexts. And quite frankly, there are people who are far smarter than I am um, who could teach absolutely amazing things about this passage that you can go online and download sermons if you want to hear someone say something else. Um, But I want to look at this passage a little differently. Um, So, but for all of you, you know that this is a pretty significant chapter. These are our themes. Uh, Once again, if you grew up in the church, you've read this all your life. This is kind of a good summary, and so essentially we know that God has given us all different awesome spiritual gifts uh, so that we can help each other, and we all have an important part to play as the body of Christ, specifically in being the church, bringing the good news of Christ to the world, so we have these spiritual gifts. No one's going to argue with that um, because we've seen this passage um, all our life, but um, let's go to the next slide. Uh, I would like to talk about this in the context um, of our series. 
thermostats and thermometers. Um, and so we've been talking about 1 Corinthians for a couple of months now. Um, and I wanted to read, um, if you remember way back to when we started this series, Gordy wanted us uh, to look at 1 Corinthians uh, in drawing uh, similarities between the cities of Corinth and the city of Vancouver. So I'm going to read a little bit of um, his summary here. As often the case, the surrounding culture had made um, inroads into the church, and it was hard to tell who was influencing whom. The church was sometimes more of a thermometer, sort of reflecting the surrounding culture, than a thermostat um, impacting the surrounding culture. So in the last couple of weeks, uh, you've heard um, I want to talk, I want to focus on this identity of inclusion and exclusion, um, uh, Gentile Jew. Throughout all of 1 Corinthians, this is a theme that has come up many, 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 many times of this, this tension of uh, inclusion and exclusion, this idea of identity. Um, and uh, it's been touched on many times, uh, many weeks, by many people, as you can see here. So if you want to, you can go back on the website, you can listen to the podcast, but we've been talking a lot about uh, inclusion and exclusion, and Peter, a couple of weeks ago, did such a great job of looking at the Lord's Supper um, and communion under those theories of inclusion and exclusion. Um, so everything that I'm about to say today... I want to focus in on that lens in the context of our series, right? I'm not going to give you your typical 1 Corinthians 12 spiritual gift uh, sermon. Because do I look like a typical kind of guy? And as I said, if you want a typical sermon, just go online and dial something up. There's all sorts of amazing people who are saying amazing things. Uh, I'm not them, I'm me. So, um, woohoo! So, I want to talk about, uh, I want to look at this through this lens of inclusion and exclusion. All right? So, that's what we're going to focus on of that huge, enormous piece of text that has caused amazing and hurtful things for centuries in the church. So, let's move on. So, uh, so here's the list. So, um, in that long text, as we we're talking about spiritual gifts, this is the list of the gifts or roles um, that was actually in that text. And I wanted to bring it up so you could look at it again, because once again, I think that we are so familiar with this text at times that we can kind of gloss over it. And there's a lot of stuff in there. So this is the list of spiritual gifts um, that was in that text. So you see my first question. When you uh, read this passage and you see this list, what's the first thing? That your brain does. Okay, your turn. Go. You read the first word, which would be administration. <laughs> you read the first word. Oh, that was a joke. But <laughs> nice one, Dad. Yeah, of course. I, I don't think that is self-centered at all. And thank you, yay, Joanna, my wife. And I didn't plant her for that, but that's exactly the answer I'm looking for, right? I think it's natural. I think, I think we are programmed to do exactly that. When you look at that list, you first of all think of yourself. Well, 
Where do I fit in that category? Would anyone admit to thinking that same way? I mean, I did. And I'm not saying that's wrong. That's totally natural. And the second thing that you do, of course, because we are a community, we live in relationship with each other. If you're married, you live in relationship with, with your mate, your spouse, you have a relationship with your children. And we are all in community. We all exist together. So the second thing you do is you think, oh, well, what about someone else? My friend, my husband, my wife, my child. Um, I think that this is totally perfectly natural. Let's go to our next slide. Um, because um, I think God made us that way. I mean, our brains are, are naturally um, hardwired to do that. Um, and I think that that's really good. That's part of our human survival. Like, life just has too much information, like, all the time. And in order for our brains simply not to shut down, I think we are naturally hardwired to categorize things. And I'm, I don't even think that this is a, oh, well, we live in the information age and there's too much information and too much data we categorize. I think that our fabulous Canadian ancestors even had to do this when they were you know, like when our fabulous First Nations brothers and sisters, uh, you know, uh, were living on this land, you know, if you're out hunting and you see your reflection in a lake, your brain needs to immediately process, hey, that's my reflection, right? You can't stay there and go, um, what on earth is happening? Because by then the bear has come up and eaten you, right? <laughs> You know, so I think that's good. Our brains are meant to categorize. Of course, sometimes that's bad also, and we see that in human prejudice, you know. Uh, because I had one negative experience with one person, that means all people who wear black hats are bad guys, right? You know, because that's what I learned from the Westerns on TV. That's not necessarily true, right? But our brains naturally categorize. Um, and I think that we, we love charts and uh, boxes and categories um, because it makes that complexity of life so much easier, right? Um, so here's an example. I'd like to show you a chart. Let's go to our next one. So take a look at that. Anyone know what that is? Yes, that is the flow chart for total eclipse of the heart. Um, I, I put this one um, specifically for Joanna uh, because that is her go-to karaoke song. Um, we don't have enough time for me to ask you to stand up or come sing it. And, and, and I didn't have time to put the backing track into the Prezi, but that is the flow chart for total eclipse of the heart. How about this next one? You may know this one better. Um, hey Jude, don't make it bad, take a sad song and make it better. And then follow the line, remember to letter into your heart, then you can start to make it better, 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 better. Then you go to the Nas and then you just repeat. Na, 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 na. Okay, you got it, right? So charts... Charts can be very helpful, and not only explaining uh, Bonnie Tyler and Beatles lyrics, uh, but let's go to the next one. Um, I like this one, um, and the internet is fabulous for these sorts of things, for these complex decisions, like where you should pee. Uh, 
Uh, I like the middle yellow box that's, that you can just go anywhere you want, you know? Are you outside? Are there people around? Uh, yes. Do you care what people think? No. Anywhere you want or behind a bush. Helpful. Helpful in making a complex life um, decisions. So a little bit of levity there for you. Let's move on. Uh, perhaps you've seen this next chart. Although you may not be that familiar with Bonnie Tyler lyrics, you've seen this. Everyone seen one of these? All right. So this is where I'm, I'm, this is where I'm going, right? I'm really not talking about spiritual gifts today at all. What I'm really talking about is labels, all right? Um, you, I'm sure all of you have seen this personality chart, but maybe you haven't seen this next one. There you go. Same thing, different flavor. So for those of you who have taken a Myers-Briggs test, uh, you can find your personality category there. Um, according to uh, Myers and Briggs, uh, I am an INTJ, they claim, so that would make me Emperor Palpatine. I don't know how I feel about that. And, um, well, let, let's be honest. I don't know how I feel about these personality tests personally. And even the Myers-Briggs test has been under criticism for about 30 years. See, the problem with these charts by many psychologists, I'm just dropping this in because everything that I'm going to talk about next sort of comes out of my angst with personality charts, right? So the Myers-Briggs test measures you on, you know, how many of you have actually done one of these, right? It's, it's either or answers, right? Like, are you introvert or extrovert? Like, those are your only two choices, right? For example, are you tall or short? According to who? What's tall? What's short? You know, I mean, in Asia, I'm a freaking giant. I'm six feet tall. But my brother is 6'4". All my friends in high school were taller than I was. I don't think of myself as tall. I think I'm average height. Do you see what I'm saying? So the, so the Myers-Briggs test, just as a side, many psychologists have been like, eh, for a long time. Have you seen this other one? This is the DISC test. Same flavor, different words. It's the same idea. Uh, I had to do one of these last year, and I can't even remember what it told me, what I was. Uh, let's move on. Have you seen this next one? Uh, this is, once again, same flavor. This, uh, this personality test is drafted up. Um, these four categories, sanguine, phlegmatic, melancholic, choleric, were actually... Uh, it was Aristotle who really came up with these, and then it's just sort of, uh, they were the four humors uh, in classic uh, philosophy. Um, but here's my personal struggle with uh, personality tests. And once again, as I mentioned already, everything that I'm saying, please take with a grain of salt. This is, this is Wade speaking, it's not the Apostle Paul. Um, and, and obviously, I hate being labeled. Like, look at me. And all my life, I've hated being labeled. And I don't think that that's only because I'm a card-carrying member of Gen X, and, you know, that angst on me is rather apparent if you really know me. I just don't, I just don't like being labeled. And I think that 
I think that those personality tests can actually be incredibly helpful. Um, I don't want you to hear, oh, all personality tests are bad. Um, there was actually a time in my life, in my early 20s, uh, I was going to a Youth With Mission training school, uh, and I was going through a really hard time personally because um, uh, all my life I'd done really well in school. I had excelled at academics, and I was in a... Uh, I was doing a YWAM training school uh, in video production. And I was actually having a bit of a, a personality struggle because the first time in my life, I wasn't immediately good at something that was school related. Like, I wasn't good at sports, duh, that was easy. You know, but my identity was kind of wrapped up in being good at school. And I was having kind of a bit of an artistic struggle because what I could see in my head of what I wanted to do in my projects, for the life of me, I could not get it exactly the way I wanted on videotape. Um, and uh, at that time in my life, as I, as I read some Myers-Briggs stuff, it was incredibly helpful. Like, I think that these tests can be a really great self-identity exercise. Um, let's go to the next slide. Um, I think that where the problem is, is when we start labeling people, or um, when our identity becomes one category. You know what I mean? I am an INTJ. I am phlegmatic. I am, and I think that the great thing is, is that God has made us to be wonderfully complex creatures, right? Like, are you tall or short? Well, neither. Are you introvert or extrovert? Well, sometimes I'm this and sometimes I'm that. Like, like there's, God has put too much awesomeness in us to easily label that. So I want us to think back to that list of spiritual gifts, right? So I just, what I'm really talking about is not spiritual gifts. I'm talking about labels here, right? So my sister, uh, my sister lives in Alberta, and her church um, they have a very large church. Um, they have their own Bible school program. They have all this leadership program. Uh, and they love, um, let's go forward one slide. Do I have that? Yeah, they love this test of the sanguine, phlegmatic, choleric, melancholic. And you'll even hear people in conversations go, oh, well, because I'm whatever, I'm this, and I have problem with this person because they're that. Right, And there's this comparison. And I've actually heard people say that. I've heard married couples say that. Oh, well, um, you know, because I'm sanguine and my husband's melancholic, then we can't get along. And it becomes an excuse, right? And so the problem with these labels is that someone always, comparison, someone always loses, right? And read that melancholic uh, you're quiet, unsociable, pessimistic, sober, rigid, anxious, and moody. Like, would you like to be labeled that way? Like, no thank you. Like, our culture has negative connotations on some of those words. Now, I think being quiet is, quite frankly, awesome, because I have three small children. <laughs> like, quietness is amazing, right? Um, but comparison... Labels can lead to comparison, right? Uh, and so in talking about 1 Corinthians 12, all I'm saying here is let's just be careful about the labels, all right? My, my prayer um, this morning before we started service and our pre-service prayer is I didn't want to get into any heresy 
right? Right? So I'm actually not talking about spiritual gifts here. I'm actually talking about those labels, right? Uh, and uh, when we label people, when we compare, someone always loses. Let's move on. Uh, yes, labels can encourage stereotypes. You guys have seen this before, right? Well, the problem with all visionaries is... They have their head in their clouds. Nothing they say ever makes sense. They're going to wreck the entire church budget. There's no way that we can do that. And then all the visionary people go, oh, the problem with administrators is they always wreck our fun. They don't listen to the word of the Lord. <laughs> and, and we're laughing because it's true, right? We're laughing because we've all heard these conversations. Yeah. And that's not cool. Um, let's move on. Uh, labels can promote inaction. I've seen this. I also work, uh, for those of you who are guests, I also work in Youth with a Mission. I've seen this lots in Youth with a Mission, right? Because we have the leadership team, and they're the leaders, and that's your spiritual gift. So because I'm not on the leadership team, and that's not my spiritual gift, then that means I can sit on my butt and do nothing, right? Because I'm not a leader. So What? You know, being a leader, oh, well, I love this quote. I don't know who I heard it, who said it originally, but I actually heard it from the great Lane Walker, actually, going way back in the history of Vancouver Eastside Vineyard and Youth of the Mission Vancouver. If you're not part of the solution, then you're part of the problem, right? And I think that some people definitely have a leadership gift, absolutely. But that doesn't mean that you can't lead. Like, what happens? Uh, okay, so the, the first thing that popped into my mind, because Joanna and I watched a zombie movie uh, a, a couple of days ago, which I really enjoyed, actually. What happens if the zombies attack and they eat all the leaders? <laughs> then what happens? Right? You know what I think is going to happen? Not that I believe in the zombie apocalypse, or you can use your own discernment of whether or not you should watch zombie movies, but I bet you someone's going to become a leader really dang fast and that they're not going to go, well, according to my Myers-Briggs test, by that time the zombie's on their leg eating them already, right? So there you go. I think that, once again, labels can promote inaction. Can, right? I didn't say all the time, right? Remember grain of salt. So Actually, when I was preparing, I didn't think about that zombie analogy. That's really good. I should write that down. I got to remember that, right? It really comes, uh, it really just comes down to are we willing, right? Are we willing to lead? Are we willing to pray? Are we willing to serve? Are we willing to help? Who cares about the label? Who cares about your Myers Briggs? Let's just do this, right? Let's, and you know what? You guys are awesome at this. I'm, I'm about 10 slides ahead of myself, but let's move on. All right, so labels. Uh, I think that sometimes uh, labels um, can promote um, a hierarchy. And you know what? Uh, you guys know that I grew up in a mainstream, charismatic denomination. And while I was preparing my sermon, I started laughing because I was remembering back to my childhood in that charismatic church, and no one was holding spiritual workshops on doing accounting. But why not? It's biblical. It's in the list, 
But I don't know. I, I wanna I wanna say yes to to like Monica and Gloria and Colleen. And who else is an accountant? type person. Like, you don't actually need to be a physical accountant, but that sort of backup role. I, I want you to put up your hands. I seriously do. Go ahead. Hands up. Accounting type people. Yeah. You guys are so awesome, and you guys don't get the strokes that you deserve. And you can put your hand down now. Thank you. Right? Because in our church culture, right, we seem to esteem people in that Myers-Briggs quadrant that I'm in, Emperor Palpatine, you know? Like, we stand up here, we hold the mics, everyone's like, oh, you're so great. No, we're not. We wouldn't be here if Monica didn't pay the rent. Who cares if I'm holding the mic? It makes no difference, but we have this cultural thing that we're like, oh, you're a leader. What a load of crap. Right, but so we uphold those gifts and we look down on other ones. I would love to see, you know, sometime we're like, oh, we're gonna have a spiritual workshop on First Corinthians 12, and everyone's expecting some crazy Pentecostal like people falling down, and Monica's up there. She's like, okay, great. Do you have your calculator? Do you have your spreadsheet? Because that's what the kingdom of God needs. We need less people talking and more people balancing the budget. So here's my story about the Impact World Tour office. Um, in Youth with a Mission, in sort of the culture that I operate in, there is this incredible ministry called um, Impact World Tour. And they do mass evangelism. And I don't know what stereotypes you just had in your brain when I just said mass evangelism right there, but they do it right. And they work really hard at it, and they invest into like one event for like a year, and they've seen millions of people come to Jesus and like follow up and like cool, crazy, amazing stuff. Like millions of people in the kingdom of God. So years ago, Joanna and I were on a YWAM tour, uh, a second tour because we were coming back from, from a very large tour, and we had the opportunity to drive through Kansas City, and we wanted to stop at the Impact World Tour office. And what we just wanted to do was hang out and pray. And quite frankly, just use our spiritual gifts of encouragement. And uh, the only people at the Impact World Tour office were the accountants and the secretaries. And we're like, hey guys, how you doing? We're here, we just wanted to hear from you and pray for you and lift you up because you're brothers and sisters, spiritual gift of encouragement, yada, yada, yada. And what they said to us was, we are here in this office, we are lonely and the subtext, of what they, the subtext of what they were saying was, because we're not the evangelists out in the field in India, our gifts aren't that important. And it's hard being here because all the cool stuff is happening out there. And we're just the accountants. To which I said in the nicest way, bull crap. I don't believe it because, quite frankly, all those people out there couldn't be doing, all those people couldn't be coming to Jesus unless you guys were here working the budget, right? And we had this amazing prayer time, and God showed up, and there were tears, and it was awesome. But you guys get where I'm going here, right? The label hierarchy is not helpful, right? We've read that passage about the body of Christ over and over and over again. We teach it in Sunday school, but nonetheless... Somewhere in our cultural context, we still have this hierarchy of gifts, right? So, and it's bad. So, let's move on. 
uh, you guys. Labels can limit personal growth. Yes. Oh, I'm doing so great for time. This is awesome. Mr. Donald Miller, dude who wrote uh, Blue Like Jazz. Uh, he wrote a whole bunch of stuff. Do you guys remember him? He was kind of this post-church kind of, he was upheld. Well, he still is. Well, he's well-known author, but he was kind of the flavor of a month for a while, and it was really hilarious because I found his blog where he was essentially talking about how he didn't care if he was any flavor uh, with this quote. Accepting a category is introspectively lazy. People are by nature walking and talking paradoxes, and so are you. Accepting a category means no longer looking for real answers and an identity that is true to who we are. And I read that, and I just went, amen, Donald. Um, you know, because I think when we accept our category, when we accept one label, it's very easy for that to become our only identity, right? And that's exactly what I think Paul is not saying here. So, so let's move on. Um, yeah. I've said this, labeling people, bad. Yeah, limitations of labels. Here we go, verse 31. Paul says, so you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. Okay, wait a second. Think about that. So he just gave us this big, long list of spiritual gifts, right? He goes through this whole analogy of the body and how we need each other. And then right at the end, he, he says, so you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. Do you know what that means? That means you can change. That means you can ask for other gifts. I don't, for me personally, that was kind of mind-blowing. I wasn't taught that as a child in my mainstream charismatic de denomination you had one gift right this is your spiritual gift and even you can still go and do all your research and spiritual gift test and it's like here's your spiritual gift right and now once again in the same idea of the Myers-Briggs and the personality tests it is true that sometimes you are more this way or less this way but you know what you can grow you can change Right here, Paul is telling us that you don't need to be limited to a spiritual gift. Is that as mind-blowing to any of you as it was for me? You can ask for other ones. Thanks, Mark. You don't have to just be one thing. When I was, and this is really true of my life, when I was a small child, me and, and my son Pax are very similar. You know, I was not a people person when I was a small child. I kind of wanted to play on my own most of the time. I did not like being around large crowds of people. When I was a teenager in my early 20s, I was incredibly extroverted, right? And now that I have three children, those of you who really know me, I'm a highly functioning introvert. I really like you people. I like hanging out with you. Right? I like having you over for supper, but when I'm tired, it's time for you to leave. Right? I want to be by myself. Right? People change over time. Um, and so I love the fact here that Paul is telling us that we don't need to accept just one label. We don't need to just accept one gift. We can grow. People change. And of course, and then he finishes with this giant cliffhanger. Did you guys 
catch this at the end, how he just kind of left us hanging with like an incomplete thought? The very end of that chapter says, now, but let me show you a way of life that is best of all. Roll credits. You have to wait until next week. Well, what? It's like in the, in the you know, in the serial western when like, you know, the cowboy is about to ride off the cliff next week. And you're like, whoa. Okay, well, obviously we know that next week Alex is going to be here. It's 1 Corinthians 13, right? I'm going to steal his whole entire sermon. Guess what? It's all about love. We're supposed to love each other, right? So, so there you go. Uh, spoiler, Alec, Alec, you don't need to preach next week. We're supposed to love each other. All of 1 Corinthians 13, love each other. There, that's all it says, right? So, um, so when talking about spiritual gifts, when talking about labels, when talking about growth, the reason why God has given us these is because we're supposed to love each other. We're supposed to get along. And yes, as I said, um, personality tests are helpful, right? You know, they really help me at that time in my life learn more about myself. But when we limit ourselves to those labels, we don't grow. And then because of our fallen sinful nature, it's very easy to to label other people, oh, well, we're going to have a hard time getting along because I'm blah and you're blah. And according to this test by some smart guy that's been disproven many times, but everyone still keeps using it, that means that I think it just creates more conflict, really. Let's just do stuff and grow in our gifts, get better at stuff we're bad at, give other people a chance to serve and get along. That sound pretty cool? All right, so what am I saying next? Uh, can we, you give me to the next slide there? Oh, hey, so here's, so, so here's a happy little part. So here's my non-biblical view of spiritual gifts. Uh, I, I have many, I've been in conversations with many friends who comes up in conversation as we're joking. I believe that my friend Sandra Vandershaft has a spiritual gift of salad. Um, Lisa Simpson once said, well, it wasn't Lisa, it was Barton Homer. Sorry, I almost got that wrong. I almost misquoted the Simpsons. Don't jump on me, Rick. So Homer and Bart once said, you don't win friends with salad, right? And then they did the rumba line, yeah, don't win friends with salad. If Rick and I are the only people who ever saw that Simpsons episode, then that's okay. It can be our special thing, right? But Sandra's salad can actually win friends. I grew up in Alberta. I like eating meat. I like eating meat a lot. Although I have worked at a vegetarian restaurant, Sandra's salad, she totally makes this like toasted coconut mango thing that's mind-blowing. Oh yeah, it's like some caramelized pepper walnuts. It's, it's an amazing salad. It will cause the scales to fall off your eyes, your thoughts about salad. My friend uh, Renee, when she was going to art school, she, with her roommates, um, she, she went to this Christian art school. Uh, and with her roommates, they're like, her spiritual gift was pulling the grotty hair out of the drain. You know, she's like, I don't mind doing that. You know, I can serve. Uh, I can serve my community by doing that. So obviously I'm being a bit facetious here. I'm not claiming that this is, you know, the word of the Lord. But I think that each one of us, I'd like us to think about spiritual gifts not in such a, you only have one gift, you are a, right? Like, I think all of us, 
are wonderful, complex creatures. And I said this to you 10 minutes ago. Like, this is where I'm finishing. You guys are awesome at this. We defy categorization and labeling. I mean, turn around and literally look at each other. You guys are good-looking, diverse people, right? I don't know. I started, I started thinking as I was sitting here before I was preaching, I'm like, what does a vineyard church look like? I don't know. Yeah, it looks like this. And I, I started, I was like, do we even look like a vineyard church? And I'm like, yeah, I think we do. Because I've been to a couple, and none of them look anything like anyone else, which is so awesome. That obviously appeals to me. Um, and you guys are great at this. Um, we are a very diverse gift with many gifts. And not just, not just the big list that Paul wrote at the start of this chapter. We're great at, you know, making salad and cooking and praying for each other and moving and changing light bulbs or whatever it is, right? Um, it's an honor for me to be part of, of you. So um, I, want to, I wanted to finish up. This is so great. I wanted to finish with tons of time um, so we could uh, move into a ministry time here. So let's go. I want to finish with this. This is by Mr. Robert Fulgham, <clears throat> who wrote the bestseller, Everything I Needed to Know in Life I Learned in Kindergarten. We could learn a lot from crayons. Some are sharp. Some are pretty. Some are dull, while others are bright. Some have weird names, but they all have learned to live together in the same box. My friends, welcome to the crayon box that is Vancouver Eastside Vineyard. So here are our application questions. Let's go to the next slide. So Gordy has asked us, as we've been preaching this series... Uh, to uh, have a list of application questions. Uh, and he actually asked us to do one that's personal, one that's for our community, and one that's worldwide. And, you know, and Gordy's not here. <laughs> Love you, Gordy. So uh, I'm holding the mic, and these are my reflection questions that I want you to think of. They're also on the back of your bulletin. So welcome to ministry time. This is what we're going to do. You are going to come up here... And you are going to get some paper and some crayons, and then you're going to sit wherever you want, and you're going to color. Because you are part of the wacky crayon box that is us. And I want you to color, and I want you to think about any one of these questions, or anything that I have said today about uh, spiritual gifts, about who you are, about labels, about not labeling, about what you're good at, and you're going to color. And then what I want you to do is you're going to turn. You're going to go to anyone. You're going to walk around, and you're going to do personal show and tell. And you're going to go, this is me, this is you. And here's why I deliberately did this, because I think whenever we're in this situation, when we're on your butts and someone's up here speaking, a part of your brain automatically turns off, right? We all know this as far as, you know, learning and applied learning and learning styles. And also, whenever you stand up and you break this imaginary third wall that I just walked through, oh no, the guy holding the microphone is coming closer to me, right? I think movement does something for us, right? So, 
so Dean's going to put on some appropriate uh, coloring uh, ministry happy application music, and you're going you're gonna to move, you're going to get your supplies, and you're going to go anywhere. You're going to think about this and color, and then you're going to share. Questions? For the podcast. Oh, yes, thank you. So for people listening online, so here are our uh, reflective questions. First one, what is your spiritual gift or gifts and your other not-so-spiritual gifts, you know, like making salad? Um, When do you feel the most alive and energetic? What would everyone say was the one thing about you that drew them to you? What is something that you've been doing with ease your whole life? What did you enjoy doing at age 10 when you're 10 years old? I love this one. What is your superpower? And if anyone says laser vision, then we should talk. (laughs) All right. And I love this last one. What would you do if you knew you couldn't fail? So it's 5 after 12. We have tons of time. This is your informal finish, but please don't run away. You're not allowed to leave. I'm not ending the service. This is serious learning application time. Because of the embodiment of Christ, everything that we do is ministry, right? Because, because of the incarnation, right? It's not like what I'm doing is spiritual and coloring is not, right? This is part of who we are. So, and we'll close with a prayer and yada, yada. But I don't want you to run away because coloring is fun. I also think there's something that when we're holding a crayon, it breaks down our adult walls, our stereotypes. I think it makes us much more emotionally honest. Cool? All right, let's go.